Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Welcome to the Midlife Mail Podcast, a podcast designed to help men maximize middle age and live healthier, wealthier, stronger, and happier. I am Greg Scheinman, and I'm inviting you to join the thousands of men who listen each week, receive my Midlife Mail newsletter, and are committed to making this next phase of life our best phase. If you have not yet downloaded my No BS Guide to Maximizing Midlife, where I break down the three principles to maximizing middle age and taking back some of that shit you've given up, head on over to midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. Guys are loving these three principles to maximizing middle age, and you can download your copy today at midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. All right, guys, Greg Scheinman here. Another week, another episode of the Midlife Mail Podcast. All right, I got to plug my book right at the front. So bear with me, guys, and thank you so much for the support. I really don't love talking about myself, talking about a lot of the stuff that we're doing. I want to get really right into the show and hear from our great guest. Today is uh, today is Lockie Stewart. The guy is absolutely fantastic, and he is... Um, he runs the Man That Can Project out of Australia, and we're going to get to that in a second. But if you would indulge me, thank you so much for, one, making the Midlife Mail book number one on Amazon in the self-help category, in the midlife category, a few other categories because of the six Fs of family and fitness and finance and food and fashion and fun. We even ended up number one in, in men's grooming of all uh, in style of all categories. I didn't even know there were all these categories on Amazon, um, but I'm thrilled and I'm grateful. And I would love for more of you out there to pick up your copy of the book because midlife is not a crisis. It's the sweet spot. And we have this unique opportunity to redefine what aging looks like, to maximize midlife, to see our best days in front of us and not behind us. Midlife is not a death sentence. It's not a period of crisis, decline, and invisibility. In fact, it's an incredible time of renewal, confidence, and impact if we take action. I wrote this as a guide for men who are tired of the narrative that getting older means irrelevance. Through the midlife male movement, which includes the podcast and the newsletter and the book and coaching, and each and every one of you, we've had the opportunity to change thousands of lives. And these conversations with top CEOs, athletes, chefs, authors, and other high performers, along with each and every one of you who also reaches out through Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook and listens and has left a review, the book and the movement 
And all of you encourage men in midlife to strive for purpose and joy, to take action, ask questions, accept responsibility, embrace curiosity, and not only leave a legacy, but live a legacy today that our loved ones can proudly inherit. Let's boost confidence, accountability, and creativity. Let's strip away the notions of traditional manhood and replace them with principles of openness and authenticity. Here is your call. Today is the day to open up to being your best self while having a hell of a lot of fun in the process. Head over to Amazon, pick up your copy of the Midlife Mail, or go to midlifemail.com and it'll pop up and it'll take you right over there. While you're there, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. Make sure you're getting my newsletter every Sunday morning dropped in your inbox. Don't believe me? Want to listen to me? How about listening to a couple of my friends? The Ultimate Guide to Getting Better as You Get Older. Greg truly lives his message. This book is a game changer. Thank you, Rich Kleiman, partner and co-founder, 35 Ventures, Kevin Durant's company out there doing amazing things. Greg is selfless, innovative, and supportive enough to invite us all on the ride to maximize our own journeys too. He's a modern alpha dog, and the midlife male is the bone you didn't even know you needed. Josh Linkner, five-time tech entrepreneur and New York Times best-selling author, friend and mentor to me. Boy, do I not like reading these about myself out loud, but thank you guys so much for all of this. If you're looking to be an A-level performer, last one, I promise you, in every area of life, Greg Scheinman's six Fs will absolutely transform your current state into a life of purpose, passion, and action. Warning, no BS, straight fire. Paul Epstein, Thank you, former NFL and NBA executive and best-selling author of The Power of Playing Offense. So while you're over there picking up your copy of the Midlife Mail and buying gifts for the holidays and everything else, pick up a copy of Paul's book as well. While you're at it, pick up a copy of Linkner's book. While you're at it, go check out Boardroom and what Rich Kleiman is doing over there and keep paying it forward. Thank you guys so, so much. All right, let's talk about today's episode. Let's do that. Lockie Stewart, the man that can project. What's it about? Create direction for your life by building mental and physical fitness. The mission, creating a community that empowers men to create direction for their life through strengthening mental and physical fitness. Lockie's story is amazing. It is inspiring, it is real, it is transparent, and it is vulnerable. And now he is paying it forward himself with the man that can project and and podcast and coaching programs that he runs um, with 20 plus years of experience in coaching and fitness and sport. And through his experience and knowledge and the core belief that physical fitness impacts mental fitness and mental fitness impacts physical fitness. Got it? It's true. And it works. It's the creation of a hybrid approach that shapes the fundamentals taught in the Man That Can Project. And over the years, these guys have worked with hundreds of men. And the fundamental belief that no matter how strong you are physically and mentally, if you don't practice gratitude and focus, you will always be chasing the next thing. I truly enjoyed this episode. He's down in Brisbane, Australia. He is headed our way to Nashville, Tennessee with his wife. 
Let's get after it this week on the Midwife Mail podcast with my friend, Lockie Stewart. We are doing this right now, uh, three o'clock my time central here in Houston, Texas, and seven, Lockie, in the morning, uh, Australia? Yeah, in Brisbane, Australia. Brisbane, Australia. We're going international with the Midwife Mail today. But I can come, I'm coming from the future. I think we're Friday morning. You are uh, Thursday evening, right? Yeah, Thursday afternoon. Wow. Okay. That's, I think, the first time that has ever happened. It's a two-day podcast, guys, for you. You should <laughs> listen to this over the course of two days, no matter what the running time is. That's the challenge right now. Listen to it over two days. Reach out to me. Tell me what you think. Lockie Stewart on the show today. Um reached out to him, said, would you come on the podcast? And here he is giving us his Friday morning while I'm wrapping up my Thursday afternoon. So welcome, man. Good to have you. Greg, thank you so much for having me on, mate. And it was it's truly a privilege. I love getting to connect with people like yourself who are leading the charge and helping people live better life. It's, you know, for me, it's, it's always a privilege. Yeah. So for, first thing I got to ask you is, you know, one is, how did you get into this? How did you get your start? Give me a little bit on your background. Stumbled in. For me, I never aspired to be. Once again, I probably probably didn't think I was the person who could ever influence or inspire others to create change. So I came from a, a sporting background, uh, played at an elite level in Europe, in France. And when that wrapped up, like a lot of people, whether it's coming from a sporting background or whether you're transitioning your career or having a midlife crisis, whatever that looks like, I was left with some questions around who I am and what value do I have to offer this world. And with the skill set that I had at the time, I didn't want to answer those questions. I turned to drugs, alcohol, sex, all the things that don't really add too much value to your life. They compound a, a negative problem. And I found myself in a bit of trouble in 2014 and there was a moment where I was sitting at, um, in, a, in a bad position and I was like, I'm actually disgusted in who I am right now. And I had a great upbringing, went to a great school, had great opportunities with sport, had everything literally handed to me. Um, and to now be sitting in the position that I'm in, it's like, I should be doing better than that. And that's when I drew the line in the sand. And it's almost as if that moment, Greg, it feels, I can't remember the exact time frame, but it felt like it happened in two weeks. I moved cities. So I moved from a country town because I'd moved back to Australia. I then met my now wife and it was an opportunity for me to have a second chance to reinvent myself again. So moved away from my environment. And then a guy that I was actually playing a little bit of local football with gave me a book, The Four Agreements. And purely because I respected this bloke so much, I was like, okay, I'm going to read this book. And when I completed that book, Greg, it changed my life. Like I'd never read books before unless it was like a free, you know, motocross magazine or a skateboarding or surfing magazine. Uh, but reading this book challenged my thought processes. And I was also so proud of myself for doing something I'd never really been in the realm of, which was reading, right? I wasn't academically amazing. I wasn't terrible either, but I'd never stood out. So then I became hungry to grow and to learn. And once again, we had this beautiful platform called Instagram. And I started using that in 2014. I was like, okay, I want to be a millionaire. And it's not going to be in sport anymore. It's going to be in what I was doing at the time. It was sales, but I was like, okay, I need to be the guy on, on the stage. How do I get there? 
And I just started asking questions, learning skills, learning how to speak better until I got to speak on stage. And then I started ticking off all of these boxes and it built an audience along the way uh, of men who were like, dude, I've seen you go from rock bottom or what my rock bottom was to now speaking in front of five, 10,000 people and you're just still also an everyday bloke. So there, were, there came a point in 2000 and, I think it was 2016, 2017, where I wanted to get out of the sales uh, sales field. And I was like, everyone's like, you should be a coach, man. You've got this awesome audience. There's an opportunity there. I was like, nah, coaches are people who can't get real jobs, real careers. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually I was like, well, I do love it. I'm literally practicing what I preach, and this is how I live my life every day. Uh, so eventually then I just sort of jumped into that space. We started with men's circles and from men's circles, I was like, what else can I do to help these men go from where they are now to where they want to be? And it's just progressed ever since. And I realized, you know, immersive events are incredible. We we still run them, but what people really lack is community. Really, you know, people don't have the confidence. They don't have the know-how or maybe um, the resources to get in an environment that is going to shape them and support and empower them to becoming the men that they want to be. Mm, I, lo- I love it. And there's, and there's so much there. Uh, first and foremost, the four agreements. Mm-hmm. First book, my coach, you know, my first coach gave me that book. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I was the guy you know, who never had invested in coaching before coaching therapy thought i had all the answers thought i had it all figured out and, and i was skeptical you know going in and when i first got introduced to the notion of hiring a coach and finally got out of my own way and actually to make the the investment the first book i got from him was was the four agreements really um, yeah um so if you know what, for those guys out there that have not read the book, first of all, we're not going to blow the, the book for you. I'm going to encourage you to go out and get the book. But the four agreements are, tell, just tell us, what are, the, what are the four agreements? We can do this together. If not. Yeah, we can work this together. So first one is be impeccable with your word. And that, can I, I just quickly share? So for me, at that point in my life, I was, I would say I would not tell the truth quite regularly, especially uh, with my then partner at the time. And I would never, I wasn't honest with myself. So it was very hard to be honest with the people around me. So when I heard that, I was like, all right, I really need to start saying what I truly mean and what is honestly going on, regardless of how hard that conversation is. The second one is don't take anything personally. At that point in my life, even getting dropped from a football team, I would take personally. I would never think about the greater good. I was so focused on me that um, that for me was like, Right, nothing. It's water off a duck's back. I need to continue doing what I am in control of to move forward. But don't make assumptions. I'm not perfect at this. I still am guilty of mm-hmm. this one. Um, but you know, I guess from a, a coaching perspective, you might assume people are talking poorly about you, especially when you're coming from a position of low self-esteem or self-confidence. You start to assume that the world's out to get you, and that's where I was at. I was like this is not working for me. So then when I started going, okay, well, let's just assume that things are going to work out. The abundance mindset, it started genuinely working. Once again, easier said than done. Um, That's for sure. And then the final one, which I think I've always had from playing elite sport is always do your best. It's not about, um, in my opinion, is doing enough. If you're winning to just win, it's like, well, can you go to bed at the end of the night going, I still gave it my 100% effort. 
Like absolutely. Yep. Yeah, those four, I mean, they hit me right over the head. Mm-hmm. Just you know, oh, yeah. Wall- walloped me over the head. And what also I appreciated about it was the overall simplicity of the agreements. Yeah, simple in in theory and very challenging and difficult in, in practice. Huh? Oh, isn't it? To do. It and it's remarkable how accurate it is and how everything really can be tied back really to these four things. And that's, it's funny, Greg, you say like the simplicity of it. Many of those cliche sayings or simple quotes that we hear, they're so simple and so cliche, but legitimately, if you implement those or take notice of those, your life will be or can be so incredible. For you, Greg, what was it that made you invest in a coach originally? Because I know for myself, uh, my first investment was a ticket to an event and it was $25. Now, that's the cost of a case of beer. And when I'm 20, 23 at that age, I was like, mm, I can't afford both. And I really want to drink some beers with the boys on the weekend. But I eventually just trusted this guy and bought that ticket. What what was it for you that made you invest? Yeah, it, it's a great question. Um, you know, it wasn't one thing. It wasn't one tipping point, pivotal moment where I could put my finger on and go, that was it right then and there. It was like most things in, let's call it my, my, take it from 20 to 50. I'm about to be 50, you know, in the 30 years, you know, in there, it was a series of things that over time were adding up and the math wasn't working anymore. You know, things weren't really working. (laughs) Yeah. And from the outside looking in, things were looking pretty good on the inside. They weren't feeling very good. And I was in a tough spot. I felt where I was working with a, with a firm um, where I was a partner and had a good career and a good income and everything else. Um, and it was supporting our family, but it didn't feel exactly right for me. And I was reaching for different things, drinking too much at the time, burning the candle at both ends, you know, couldn't do it all, but thinking I could, thinking I could be, you know, I could be drinking and I could be working out, thinking I could manage my business and have a side project on this, you know, going on the side, thinking I could get up early and I could stay up late thinking none of these things were really working. It's a long answer to your question, but so look, it's pretty clear that the decisions and choices you're making, Greg, are not totally working out. So for once in your life, why don't you try doing the opposite? <laughs> mm-hmm. And if your natural gut instinct is do not hire a coach, invest in a coach, and that you know better, the opposite of that would be write the check, hire the coach, and commit to the process. Mm-hmm. And that was really kind of how I decided to do it. And it was a conversation with a friend. He's like, I've got a guy. I didn't even care who the guy was basically at the time. It's like, okay, I'm going to do the opposite of what I usually do. You've recommended this person to me. I would normally say no, continue to go at it alone, not believe in this. Today, I'm going to call him and I'm going to write the check and I'm going to do it. And that's, and that's what I did. Um, and like anything else that you, like even like you had said earlier, it takes, you know, it's about consistency and committing to the, to the process. And whether it's one pivotal event or a series of events that got you there, you know, for me, once I actually committed to the process, uh, things did start to change. And you can quantify the difference. 
this was not going well, things are now starting to go better. And just whether it's fitness we're talking about and you never worked out and then you start working out and you start to feel better and you start compounding the interest. If you're working on yourself emotionally, yeah. financially, things got better in all of those metrics. And it also helped me you know, stay put where I was and to your point, do it better, follow the agreements, do your best where I was rather than quit. Hmm? We didn't make bad decisions. You know, left to our own devices, a lot of us don't make great choices. I wasn't making great choices. Working with a coach helped me to make better choices. So to this day, I still do it. Like yep. you, did I ever see myself as one? Mm-hmm. No. I mean, you did. I think it was like, is that a job? Like, I totally agree. With you. <laughs> like, I get, can you make a living this way? Can you do it? Do I want to do it? You know, backed into it by virtue of the fact that when, when we sold our firm, I didn't have a job. What did I want to do? This, let me see if I can actually help men and show them some of the things that I've learned over the course of the last 25, 28 years at the time. Now we're going to you know, 30. So a long answer to your question, but that's, you know, that's how I got there. Um, so I'm just a huge advocate for it. Wherever you are in the world, whatever age or stage of life you're at, I just don't think you're ever going to make a better investment than the one you make in yourself. I could not agree more. It pays the best interest was a quote that I read the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's part of, I want to ask you, like, like you came up through, so football was the sport, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you rug- know, yeah, rugby. Through, oh, rugby. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about like, you know, you come up through sport and you've gone and you're out and you know, I was this way too, like experiences are things. I think when you get back into investing in yourself and I'm like, along the way, did you struggle with this at all? Like I thought happiness, you know, and the things that I were, whether it was sports and money or, or women or the partying and everything versus, you know, the expenses, the things that do come at a cost versus again, the investment. Did you go through any of that too? Definitely. I, I th- it's hard not to. In a, over here, the idea of success is, as you mentioned, the the party and the lifestyle, the the ladies, the all of that sort of stuff. So for me, regardless of the success, I was actually a more successful runner than I was ever a rugby player. Mm-hmm. Like I was a, the best runner in Australia for eight hundred and four hundred meters, but I was drawn to rugby because of the money and um, the school that I went to was a rugby school. So the the respect that you got from everyone drew me to that, but it didn't. It didn't. It never aligned with who I was on the inside, and I wish I knew that from a young age. That if it doesn't feel right, trust your gut. But I was like, it's got to be. It's got to be rugby because that's what success looks like in, especially in Australia. It's like I guess NFL for or um, American football or mm-hmm. you know, different various sports. It's like there's one sport that stands out above the rest. So you want to be there because you want to be the guy. And it didn't matter how I felt. And I was so confused throughout all the time I was playing rugby because I was never a rugby player. Originally, I made myself a rugby player. I started acting like the rugby players because I was bullied by them. And I sacrificed who I was and I lost who I was in that process, which is a sad thing. And I'm sure there's so many people who go through that process, um, whether it's with sport or career. And we have this deep feeling down inside that regardless of what society is telling us what our friends and family may be telling us this is what i'm called to do this is who i am and 
it's going back to that. So it wasn't until I came out the other side that I was like, man, I've wasted some, I've wasted some incredible opportunities. I've also learned a bucket load. Um, but from here on out, I'm taking control. This is who I want to be. And I'm going to be unapologetically that person. And I had to walk, you know, when I say walk alone, like I didn't have a close unit of mates for, for around two years while I was, you know, trying to find the right people. Sometimes I'd find the right people who maybe loved fitness, but they'd also love to still do other things that maybe I didn't totally agree with. So I was like, look, I'll keep them there for fitness but I'm still looking for some people who are like I am, where they're fitness focused, driven, ambitious, don't want to be pricks, want to want to be better people. <clears throat> and eventually I found them, right? And it's been, it, it's fast-tracked the level of success in my life. And you talk about those metrics. I feel like I've gone off on a tangent, sorry, Greg, but um, fast-tracks those metrics of success because I'm very clear on, what I want my life to look like. And I'll never compromise time with family and friends and my health in order for career success, which is why uh, the man that can project set up the way that it is. I've also, I'm very selective with who we allow into our community because um, coming up playing team sports, et cetera, you understand that if there's one person who's not there for the right reasons, their energy can be toxic, right? In, in the environment. So we're very clear on that. Same with my social circles. If, you know, some people are in your, life for a reason what there's some beautiful quote i don't actually know it but reason rhyme or a lifetime whatever it is um and it's learning that some people will only be there for a year or two and you've had that value exchange but you grow apart and that's okay and moving towards success that's been for all careers i mightn't be founder of the man or i still always will be founder but i mightn't be running the man that can project in five years time if my life decides to take me elsewhere i'm not attached to outcome i'm attached to how i'm feeling in 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 those moments and as long as i feel like i'm growing and being being genuine with myself mm, so so good and i'm as as you're doing this like i always you know you're gonna break down like like the things that, okay here's like a key not being attached you know to the outcome and as you were talking you mentioned a couple of things that that stood out too you know this this notion of continuing to look for the right people. Mm. And I think a lot of us sometimes we get stuck there thinking that we need to be the ones to conform, you know, to, yeah. to the group or everyone, or, Hey, what those guys are doing, like, maybe like I should be the one to keep doing it, you know, with them, or I'm not going to get, let's say everything I want or find the perfect group of people or anything. So we're just like, okay, I'll take, like, I'll be friends with, the other dads just because our kids go to school together, you know, or just because our boys play on the same team means that like, this needs to be, I'll hang with them over. But if you're not really the right, you know, people, or I need to be friendly and hang out with my partners at work or my colleagues at work person, but if they're not right, like we know, you know, whether or not like we're having to bend or, or conform or what the feeling really is versus you know, when it's really authentic and genuine, you know, like, okay, these are, are my people, or this is really, really my place. So I love that you said, like, I, I kept looking, you know? because I think a lot of guys really struggle with that. And then they find themselves like years in to these quote unquote relationships that are not really the right ones, you know, for them. 
And because of that, they end up in habits and patterns and behaviors and things that aren't really them either. So the advice, I guess, to, to guys out there, like, listen to what you know. How do you stay true to that, you know, in a way to like, you know, to, to keep looking in a way or to, you know, just even enhance like that belief, almost like, what is it like better to be alone than in bad company, you know, or something like yeah. or the wrong company or something yep. like that, you know? I think people don't, firstly, don't give themselves the opportunity to experience because we're uncomfortable being alone. So we'll gravitate to anywhere because at the end of the day, we do want acceptance and we do want to feel valued and heard. And if that's not being met, you know, you'll, you'll gravitate to people. It's why I gravitated to potentially, you know, the environment where I was, you know, drinking a lot and, and taking, taking drugs. Cause I wanted to be a part of something. I didn't care what it was at that point in my life. But when I had, you know, after that book and when I decided that I didn't want to continue uh, ruining the opportunity that I had, you know, in Australia, we're so lucky. And I would say um, many of the the Western countries are so lucky with the opportunities that we are afforded. Obviously, everyone's experience to this point is unique and different, and I don't want to take away from that, but we're all in the position to take ownership, especially if you're listening to a podcast, you have technology, you can do some stuff. So when I decided that I wanted to become a millionaire, I became obsessed about that. I didn't even, I didn't even know why I wanted to be a millionaire, Greg. I just thought that success having a million dollars would solve all my problems right and obviously it's not about the million dollars it's about who i became in the process to working towards that and i realized very early on how influential your environment is right i had to i wasn't a strong enough person or confident enough in myself when i started um uh wanting to get away from the drinking etc that i was like look i'm going to do these fitness challenges because that's going to be my excuse as to why I don't drink. I did seven in a row that went for 16 weeks. And every time my mates were like, let's go for some beers, let's do this, do that. I was like, I can't, I've got, you know, I've got a competition in this date because that was my excuse. And I needed that because I didn't have many other mates that were doing that. Right. So I found a, I found, I guess, like a support, even though it was a fitness event. Eventually through that, I started meeting some like-minded people. And as I said, I shifted shifted through them trying to find more commonalities more common interests and more direction and i think because i found that original pillar through the fitness things it made it easy i don't think i would be where i am today greg had i not leveraged that like i would have had my arm twisted behind my back and i would have been back drinking doing all the same stuff that i'd done previously that would have had me in that same position so the most important thing to to me greg and i said this to everyone i don't care what it is you're working towards Let's figure out who you need to hang around first. And that's why I'm so big on the environment. It's like, okay, well, you might start hanging out with me from a fitness, mental fitness perspective and realize, hey, Lockie ticks a few boxes, but I'm more gravitated in this direction. Go do that. That's awesome. That's the stepping stone to figuring out who you are and who you need to support around. And you mentioned earlier, Greg, the compound effect. When you're hanging around people who've done what you want or aspire to do what you want, Let's say, for example, Greg, you and I have both read 20 books this year each, but 20 different books, but we've got a common goal. So the topics may be intertwined and we get together once a month and have a yarn about what we've been learning, what we're excited about. We're cross-contaminating information. So not only am I learning the 20 about the 20 books that I've read, I'm now getting to teach, right? So I'm getting to 
think about and formulate my own opinions and my own ideas, but I'm also getting to receive what you've done, your perspective, your information, your education, which means in the space of 12 months, I've just compounded a bucket load of information, knowledge, and insight into who I could become in 2023. Mm. So as a result, you know, the flip side of that is if, for example, I hadn't done any reading and you'd done reading and I was just like coming to you all the time saying, Greg, let's go get on the beers this weekend. You're like, do you have any other value to offer? I'm dragging you back because you don't feel like you can talk about the excitement that you have going on in your life because you're like, maybe I don't want to make Lockie feel bad. Maybe I don't want to highlight that his life's, you know, not going in the direction he wants it to. Yeah, it's look, I think it's regardless of what the habits again and the behaviors actually are, what it really comes down to is you've got to surround yourself with like-minded individuals that are heading in the direction, you know, or might be even further ahead than you actually are, because that's where you're going that way. I also think there's a little something, and, and your path is, is remarkably similar in, in a number of ways, even to my own, which is where when you kind of make the decision or the choice to swap some poor behaviors or poor habits for better ones, Mm -hmm. those shifts in behaviors and habits are naturally going to lead to shifts in the people Mm -hmm. because they just don't align really anymore. You know, one door closes, the next one opens Mm -hmm. and we're in a way swapping, you know, kind of swapping one addiction for another Mm -hmm. in there also. And yeah, you're saying this is my excuse, if you will. Like I'm going to use the competition excuse with this group of people over here who do not compete, you know? So they don't have anything to wake up early for. But if I come up with this excuse, here's the reason I'm leaving the dinner early or I'm leaving the pub or the bar or wherever early, because I'm going in with the, this is what I'm going to use. And I've done it till, like, it's where it is. My mornings are too important for me to give up my evenings. You know, that's why I can't be over there or I got to leave early because I've got an early workout or a ride or a lift or a competition or something. It's really not like to you, it's not an excuse. It's a replacement. It's I'm choosing to replace this behavior with this Mm -hmm. in there. And I think there's something like really liberating about, like at first it's very constricting. It does, it feels like weird or feels wrong or having to come up. And then it feels very liberating when you get really comfortable with using it or saying, this is what I'm doing. Or you kind of own like, here I am with my, whatever it is, sparkling water or water or whatever it is, instead of the in your hand. And it's very liberating and in a way you start to then take ownership of it and be able to confidently say, Hey, thank you so much. I'm going to head out a little bit early tomorrow. I got to want, and all of a sudden, like over time, not all of a sudden, like it doesn't surprise anybody. Correct. And I know there are people that I, I don't necessarily see anymore. So it's not going to surprise them or not. It's not a surprise that I don't see them anymore because we're living different lives. But I think if people know you and now they probably know you, the way you behave and the things that you do, like it's not a surprise anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just the way you operate. Mm. Like, this is why I leave early because you are like, if you know me, like wake up early and this is what I do. Like I still compete. I have these groups. Okay. So has this happened to you also? Like certain people seek you out because of that. Yep. Like I think we do. We attract and we repel in a way what we what we put out there, you know, or what we deserve at a certain period of time. So you get out of living in conflict and now you're living in this manner that is really authentic and really 
and really super cool that you found it. You're literally taking the control of your life. And as you said, people will start to perceive you differently. People don't call me up anymore to go on a bender or to the pub. It's like I was saying to a mate yesterday, because he's just finished playing rugby in France as well. And we played together and he's going through that transition. I'm like, you didn't call me up to go for a beer. You called me up to go for a walk and figure out what's next for your life. And that's how I'm so grateful to be in that position, but it's also, it keeps me on path with the things that I want to do with my life. I, I would, if people call me up to go for beers and stuff, I know I wouldn't be congruent with the message that I've got. Mm-hmm. And so people seek me out for a specific thing and that's completely fine. And, you know, some of them work with me, others don't. Some of them just become training buddies or, you know, mates, which is awesome. But there, it's, I think, to put it on the flip side for people is you seek out those people. You might follow people on social media or, on, or in, your, in your own environments. And if they inspire you to some degree, start building a relationship with them, whether it's transactional or whether it's, um, you know, from a, a just a, a friend perspective, there's always something that you can learn. And it's a, there is the, sorry, go on, go on. No, you go, I, I was rambling. You had mentioned, you know, kind of being very selective also mm-hmm? Mm-hmm. in the man that can project. And obviously, obviously in everything mm-hmm. that you, that you do, you know, we need to be selective in there too. But where is it between being selective and, and, and being welcoming in a way that's, that is the delta, the difference because, and how you are selective, because even as a coach, like I feel like for me, sometimes like you want to help everybody or you want yes. to again, let, like, hey, if you need help or you're looking to change and you're doing, you want to like, like bring it on. Like in one hand, it's like bring it on because you want to, the mission is big yep. and we want to help everyone. Yep. And on the other hand, I do really, really respect you know, what you're saying and try to adhere to it. We have to have boundaries and we've got to be selective. Mm. How have you kind of, how do you kind of handle and manage that aspect of it? I've never been asked that question before, Greg. That's a brilliant question. So for me, I think about one area of your life leans on the other. And there was a point when I wasn't selective. I was just like, yes, I can solve all the problems in the world. And it started becoming detrimental to other areas of my life because of the stress and the lack of consistency in things that I was dealing with. When I had to sort of face that that challenge and go, okay, well, I want to continue what I'm doing, but I don't want to lose my marriage. I want to still prioritize my health. I needed to work out what specifically I enjoyed helping most and what kind of, I guess, experiences and skills I could help deliver and how that looked like. And I got very um, clear on that and also the kind of people. And I, you know, I don't drink much, but I always say if I'd have a beer with you, I'd probably work with you if I feel like an add value. Because to me, it, it coaching does become a bit of a mateship, right? Like it is someone where you do, most people think you're best mates because they have deeper conversations with you than they've had with anyone in their life. And so when I got clear on what that looked like, I was like, okay, because we're creating a community, community is like-minded, right? We have a common goal. We have similar interests. And that's how you can, once again, compound effect. If there's someone ruining that energy, it ruins the whole environment. So I got clear on, once again, what the kind of person looked like, what their goals and directions were, what their hobbies and interests were, what they spoke about 
family life, etc. And I was like, that's that's my person because I know I can help a lot of people, and I'm sure you do, Greg, as well. However, I'm doing a disservice to myself, to my wife, to other areas of my life by trying to help everyone. There are so many other incredible people out there who are more suited to helping the individual that comes through. And not saying that it's a no forever. Some people might go do some work and then go, actually, now I'm, I feel like I'm in the right position. And they may have changed things in their life where they're now, where like, yeah, come on in, brother. Like, that's perfect. But yeah, I think it's always just like, how do we continue add, adding value? And a big part of that is energy in this environment. We want people who are in that that growth mindset. Yeah, they may be stuck and we have struggles and we do have those down days, but all in all, they're they're ready to continue growing forward. So I've never had to really think about that out loud or, or share that out loud. Well, I and and I appreciate the the response and and also in the manner of just you know, talking it out and work and working through it too. It's something that again to to me, like I think it's fluid. I think it's changing a little bit. As you said, like you're identifying kind of where do I think I can I can add the most value? Again, what feels mm. the most authentic or genuine? Who's the type of person that I want to work with? You know, are we the right fit for one another? Is this in my skill set or my experience set? Or am I just excited, you know, to take the call or not for whatever reason, you know, yep. excited to take to take the call? The Midlife Mail podcast would not be possible without the support of some incredible brand partners. I only recommend brands I use, believe in, and trust. And each brand was handpicked by me for a specific reason. I believe in these guys, not just because they're great companies with great people behind them, but because the stuff works. I use these to stay at my peak and I suggest you do too. So go over to midlifemail.com and click on special offers for exclusive Midlife Mail discounts and promotions. I do want to circle to something that you said, um, and you mentioned mentioned it twice, and I'm I'm curious your relationship with money because mm-hmm. yep. you mentioned it. There was a point. Um, I want to make a million dollars. Yep. When you first said that or felt that, mm-hmm. I'm curious how. What was your situation at the time? Like age, stage, kind of like where you were at the time, and then where I want to take this is kind of like how has it maybe evolved or changed. Yeah. perspective with what you're doing now, family situation, all of the other things, you know? So when I first decided was post, post rugby. So obviously when you're playing rugby, you have a salary, et cetera. Um, but after that, it was just like, that's what I thought success was. So the reason why I said a million dollars, what I always believed growing up was if you had a million dollars, you're like the king. And I was so attached to wanting to be someone wanted to be recognized to have status that I thought once again, that million dollars would do just change my life. And once again, I went to, I was on a a scholarship for sports. I was at an elite school and I was around a lot of wealthy people. We were my family's middle class, Um, but getting to see their houses and getting to see the way they lived. I was like, that's pretty cool. I wouldn't mind that. That's, that's a million dollars right there. That's what that will get you. So from that, that's what I decided it was. But what you learn or what I learned, Greg, through the process was you don't need a million dollars. When you get clear on all the things that you want in your life and you actually research what it looks like to have that, it's like, it's nowhere near that. But you also realize that if you're earning a million dollars, there's million dollar problems coming your way. And are you the kind of person that you need to be in order to earn the million dollars? Mm-hmm. I definitely wasn't. Not at all. And 
through that process, once again, I was talking about everything leaning on the other things. For me, there's a few things that are, are really important. It's connection. So I've mentioned uh, a couple of times, like the people in my life I'm not attached to. Like I have some great friends, but I also understand that some people are going to grow in different ways and that's okay. As long as I'm feeling connection, which means I'm feeling valued, heard and empowered. Awesome. Tick that box. The next one for me is freedom. And to me, that looks like financially. So having the the means to live the life that I want, and I'm very clear on what that looks like, but also the flexibility, right? So to be able to travel to, you know, when I have children to be able to be a stay at home dad and do all those things, that's always been in the forefront. Like I don't mind, you know, if I get opportunities that say, hey, come work with this company for six months or whatever, I'm like, well, is it going to tick these boxes or not? It helps me make decisions. Okay. And then health. And the health to me is mental and physical. I'm never going to sacrifice that. And I'm very clear on at different stages in my life, what health looks like. I'm sure health is going to be different when I do have children, as opposed to what it is now. Right now, I'm still flexing that competitive muscle. But in 10 years time, I just want to be able to play with my children and be an incredible dad and move pain-free, right? That's, so that's like, so the, I guess the milestones of that will change. So then when we go to money, it's not a million dollars anymore. It, um, it's not attached to the ego. It's not attached to wanting to look wealthy. Mate, I have the most minimalistic lifestyle, Greg, you will ever imagine. Uh, my wife is a, a super successful musician, but we live... We don't have fancy cars. We don't have any of that. We just have great lifestyles, right? And that means experience is adventure. We don't stress about certain things. And that's what it is attached to now, whereas eight years ago, I was like, I want people to think I'm a big dog. It's, it's, so, it's, it's so interesting in regards to the, I want people to think, you know, which is the outward. Yes. The, like, look inward hey, we get to do what we want, when we want, with who we want. And I mean, like, and that's yep. really what success in a way looks like. Now, it's not, look, if you want nice things, have nice things. If you want a big house, have a big house. I love that you said, like, like look, million dollar things have million dollar problems attached to it. It's like, if I have three rooms, I've got to furnish three rooms and deal with <laughs> If I have 10, I have to deal with like light bulbs and problems, like any, like, you know, it's, it's so, it's just, again, what do you want? Mm-hmm. What brings you joy, brings you happiness, again, experiences over things where, you know, one wrist, one watch or whatever, well, two wrists, but one watch, you know, what I'm yeah. <laughs> you know, certain things you know, like that versus any of these things and how we make decisions, which is, I think what this also really has come back to as you went through categories. Okay. Yes. There's money and yes, there's travel. And yes, there's my wife now. And yes, there's all of these things. Do you write it down, you know, meaning like, like the way you operate and I I call it, you know, a personal operating system or, or a maximized action plan. Like, do you even get so detailed that you commit this stuff, you know, to, to paper that you can refer back to, to be like, this is what I said and what I know success looks like. Or if I have to make this choice, by the way, I've already, I have a book, you know, like I told myself what I'm going to do in this situation. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so I uh, wrote it in 2014 was when I wrote my first 10-year vision and got like a 22-page document. And so much of it's come true, but also so many things I've realized I don't want because I've grown a lot in that process. Now I journal every day as well. And the back page has what I'm working towards. 
I don't specifically write down how I operate or choose to respond, but I guess every everything that comes across my desk, even you know, having a conversation with yourself, is like, okay, is this going to help me live in that value system that I mentioned, or is it not? And sometimes, you know, I say no to a lot of podcasts and various things just because timing in life it doesn't line up or you know, various other things, but it's always making sure that I'm moving towards where I need to be moving towards. And that's the one question that I ask myself with everything. And those three things that I mentioned to you around the um, freedom, the health and the connection are the main drivers behind that. And I also understand how I operate around people. For me, as much as I'm on you know, coaching a lot and using social media a lot, that drains a lot of my energy, Greg. So I understand, and my wife's very aware, and my close um, circle of friends are very aware that, I'll, like I've been away for the last three days recharging because I don't gain energy from being around people as much as you know some other people do. Well, it's it's very draining. You know? Yeah, I can imagine that what you do again when you put yourself out there like that, it does, and to get as vested into it, you know, it can be very draining. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I I feel that it is. It's also in a bit in cycles, at least where I've seen, where there's an excitement and there's, you know, it's energizing in certain aspects, yep. whether that's speaking, whether it's coaching, whether it's a conversation, whatever. And then there are other times also where you know, figuring out again, where the boundaries and how much bandwidth you have that shift between this is going from, you know, adding energy and vitality to now this feels like it's sucking some out. And what do I do now to recharge kind of the battery and come back to it because it's not that I don't love it the same and want to do it, but it's like, you know, as an ad, like I'm in the last 20 meters, you know, or so of the, you know, of the 400, the 800, am I able to speed up right now and, and get that gear or like, am I slowing down? Cause I'm just burnt, you know? And that was your, for the week, I'm going to need you to coach me on the 400 and the 800. I'll tell you why we'll get <laughs> back to that. But you know, that cycle of, of energy drain versus energy gain from these actions and activities um, and leaning into both of them. Hmm? When, when did you, so when did you write the 10 years? When did you start? 2014, end of 2014. Okay. So we're, we're getting close. We're getting very close. One, why did you write it? Was there something you saw or read or like, you know, what made you sit down and write 22 pages? A coach. So a coach that I had at the time, Joel Brown, uh, he made me do it. And I literally wrote like a, originally I sent back, must've been maybe one or two pages. And he's like, mate, what is this? That's not a, that's not a plan. That's just like an overview. He's like, come back and actually write what you want to experience, what things will look like, how you're going to feel. And so, you know, I guess it was helping me really start to create what I wanted and start to become aware of what I wanted or what I thought I wanted. Right. Because in that process of growth, you realize maybe, as I said, with the million dollars, it's not what you want. There's something else around that. And maybe it is attached to ego. Maybe it's attached to things that you'll eventually realize aren't quite important to you. As you're saying, you're looking outwards rather than inwards. And I think what I've noticed, especially with a lot of like dads that I, I speak to is like, we get softer as we get older men. Like we really start to look inwards and realize how important relationships are to us and not the status, the career or looking cool for your mates. It's like, it's family. 
Uh, it's it's your relationship with the loved ones, how you feel about yourself and just enjoying being. And I feel very privileged that I get to see that and be aware of that at 30, right? because I think I've taken a lot of that into how I live my life now and I'm forever grateful for that. Um, but that vision, once again, is what gives me direction. It's like, okay, well, when I read it, and to be honest, I read that once a year. I, I've got certain milestones that I map out. Um, a lot of it <clears throat> I've realized I don't want, but it gave mm. me a direction to get started on. If I didn't have that, I'd probably still be sitting there twiddling my thumbs. So when do you start on the next incarnation of what's called volume two? You know, volume one was this first 10 years. We're going to come, on to, come up on 2024 eventually. So let's say we're getting to 2023, call it a year away from your 10-year anniversary of your first 10-year you know, plan. When are you going to start to work on what the next plan looks like because as you've already mentioned there are things in this plan that i no longer want right yeah. and there are other things that you may even want more of i asked this also selfishly because i wrote a five-year one mm-hmm. yeah and and now we're we're up it's up basically yeah so i got to do the same thing you know what does my vision look like for the next for for me age 50 to 55 you know i didn't go out 10 i went out five mm-hmm. yep and now i actually go out three. Like even with my clients, we go out three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 10's a big, big jump, isn't it? For me, it'll be, I'd say 16 or 18 months away, six months before that one's due, because I must've set that roadmap for a reason, right? There was a reason why. And I think every year you work through it, you gain that feedback around, okay, is what next year's, so what's that? Is what next year's, um, directions moving towards the right thing or is it not because i don't know until i get some more feedback moving towards that obviously you cast the future and work back and every year i'm getting a little bit closer to what i was expecting in year 10 so at the end of next year i might go yeah i'm still on path and this is still what i want or it may not be but if i sort of trim it early i haven't followed through on a plan it's such a good point. And as you were trying, you mentioned the word feedback in there too. And you're still, even yourself, you're getting your own feedback by testing and retesting and trying and living this way to determine, is this something I want more of? I want less of, or I don't want any of, you know, anymore. Uh, you know, in there, one of the things that stands out to me on that is, is the notion again of consistency, you know, and not quitting or, or giving up too soon or not giving certain things enough time yep. to go good, bad, or, or indifferent, you know, everyone's, you know, it's kind of quick to quick to quit, you know, or to pivot, or this isn't yep. working, you know, and you think about like, well, 10 years is a long time to give something to see if, you know, if, if something's working, you know, yep. or, or not. But I think it also depends, again, go back to age or stage, maybe you can go out 10 years, you know, if you're writing this from 20 to 30, you know, or 21 to 31 or 25, even to 35. Now we start getting into, you know, again, I'll be 50 in, in, you know, in two weeks. And so maybe that's why I've scaled it back and like, okay, 55 seems like a pivotal age, you know, and when I work with certain guys at stages, how far do we want to look ahead based upon where we are right now? You know, yep. like, I don't think I want to, I may not want to climb the mountain at 70, you know, yep. I want to climb it at 50, you know, 
Now, I might be physically able to do it at 70, but I don't think it's going to be as much fun, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And I also don't think I want to wait that long, you know, either, because a lot of things can happen in between there, too. So I think this notion of time kind of and our roadmap is also relevant. Mm -hmm. How much time you give things based upon where you are. It's a very great point. Because, yeah, I don't, definitely don't feel I'll be doing a 10-year one again. Like, a lot can change over that. Especially, yeah, especially, I guess, as well, like, my responsibilities with the things that I have going on in my life are uh, going to be growing and changing. And I need to be a bit more fluid because there's a few things that are going to be out of your control, you know, whether it's starting a family, we're moving to America, we've got all these things happening. And there's going to be a lot of variables in that, that as a, you know, when I said it, I was 22 or three, uh, weren't necessarily in my life at that point. <clears throat> moving to America. Okay. Why that? Why are we moving to America? How did that decision, you know, get yeah. made? You know, what's? The, I mean, this is that's a big move. You know, like I moved from New York to Texas. That was a big move. Moving from Australia to America, a much bigger move. You know? bigger move yeah. <laughs> yes. So, how did this come to be? So, my wife and her, her they're a band. So, they've been successful in the U.S. and it's just time uh, for them. So, we were originally looking at the Netherlands because they're big in the Netherlands. They're big in the U.S. Um, but the US is a great area for me to learn and expand as well. We have, you know, I have clients in the US already. Um, but to be around more coaches, it's not huge in Australia. And I guess the level of coaches um is not there. So it's just a great opportunity for both of us. Like America, you know, your population is what 360 million people, roughly. Ours is 25 million. And there's a thing, you know, tall poppy syndrome. We, you know, we go over to Nashville a fair bit. And the level of support that we receive from people in the, the America is so foreign to Australia. If, if you, you know, people don't want me to be successful. It's like, we need to bring Lockie back down or we need to bring my wife back down. We need to bring these people back down to reality. And it's an interesting thing to experience. Um, and I never really understood it because i still did have a level of success here in sport and various things but when i was you know, over in nashville and you're meeting with people and they're like i'm going to connect you to my body or we're going to help you do this or help you do that you're like hold up i've just literally had a coffee with you and you're already trying to help me or connect me with someone that doesn't happen here or it's very rare and it's it's just so exciting like to be supported like that is phenomenal so for us it's like okay well we're going to head over there for a couple of years and and see what it's all about mm. so is nashville where you're going to settle is that what you're yeah doing? nashville yep very very cool can i ask you do i know the band do i <laughs> hey As... did, you, did, you, did you ever hear the song uh geronimo geronimo so... yeah. yeah yeah i did i have heard the song geronimo yeah this yeah. goes back this was a couple of years ago hmm? yeah yep yep yes. yep okay so... And now my wife's gone solo and doing country as well. That's awesome. Yeah, very, so it's pretty exciting. Very, very cool. So, so Australia, you guys have kind of hit your stride to an extent in, in Australia. Opportunity yep. to come to the, to the U.S. This yep. opportunity for connectivity, for networking to kind of explore, you know, her career growth in there, your career growth. Mm, 
what's the like what's the ultimate or are, are, are we there you know like you said you're not going to write 10 years again okay but you know paint the picture for me like okay we get to net like you know we be there for a few years what what's the ultimate for you what does it look like yeah. well it's just to continue growing we want to start a family so we got married uh just over 12 months ago and want to start the family but we also want to have one last crack at like seeing what seeing what's possible we're both driven we're both competitive and for me it's i want to be around the best like i know once again you're talking about environment i'm literally one of the only people who do what i do in this whole in, in brisbane right like to, to to that's a you know very generalized but because it's not a supportive culture where you'll get together and share business ideas or what's working etc to be in that and experience that compound effect for both of us is what it's about but it's also experience like i lived overseas before my wife's never well, she grew up in another country, but we haven't lived overseas together. It's just creating more memories and and having more fun and learning, just challenging ourselves in a different way. And it may, you know, may improve our careers a bit or it may not, but at the end of the day, it's been an awesome, it'll be an awesome experience and create some memories. And we'll get to meet a lot of incredible people. Very, very cool. I'm going to ask you also now a little bit, because I got to come back to selfishly, the 400 and the 800. Okay? Mm. This is your thing. Right, mm-hmm. best runner in Australia, four hundred and eight hundred. By the way, those are like. And I will. So, so I, I will. I, I will clarify there. I did get excited there. So, with the eight hundred, I finished second, and the four hundred was the yeah. So I ran forty-seven seconds for the four hundred, and then a minute forty-nine for the eight hundred. Okay, crazy, crazy, a really unbelievable split, and the forty-seven. So, so here's the thing: I have to run a four hundred and an eight hundred. In June. Mm-hmm. I do really? Yes. So I did. So I've been doing, there was an event called the Decathlon, the D10 Decathlon. That yes. was uh, an event here, you know, to find the fittest executive, if you will, the fittest guy on Wall Street. My buddy Dave started this event 10 plus years ago, and it was an executive decathlon, 10 events. So not no yes. pole vaulting, you know, or javelin. Okay. But 10 events like pull-ups and, and bench press and, and a football throw, but there's a 400 and an 800 in this. Yes, I have now done it three times. And then COVID basically wiped out the events. We haven't had the event since COVID it's coming back. I am a terrible runner. I never grew up running in track and field. And I first did my, I did my first 400, like for time, I think I was 45 years old. Okay, so now I will be 50 for this one. It's coming back. Epic. What are your tips, okay, on a 400 and an 800? I don't want to win it. I'm not going to do a 40. No, I just need to not pull a hammy, okay? And I'm trying to be sub three on the 800 and about a minute on the 400. Oh, wow. That's epic. My uh, my strategy with the 400 is I go out hard on the first hundred and then sort of cruise the back straight and slowly start building the speed up again around that bend and then just go hell for leather. But I have a rough idea of my split. So you're running, wanting to run sub minute. You wanted to run 15 second hundreds roughly. So I'd be looking to pace it around about that and build. And obviously everyone, the more you train for it, you'll know where your sort of legs go. Oh, oh, this is hurting. And you just race to that. The 800, my strategies, or used to be, is like I'll just go hell for leather on the first lap. So I remember used to run like a 
52-51 split and then try and establish quite a lead. And then I'd cruise the, you know, 400 to 600 and then try and have 200 to go. Can I, here's the, can I train for this? <laughs> Maybe the dumbest question ever, you know, can I train for this without doing an excessive amount of running in terms of the map that the impact blocky is what gets me. Yep. Bad knees, they swell up, you know, older guy, multiple knee surgeries. It's the pounding that gets yep. me more than anything. So the desire to train on a track, you know, is, is actually there and get better at it. Yep. The, it the, the frequency or the volume that I was doing in the past, that's what was causing me, you know, the problems. Yep. I would be doing a lot of lactate threshold training. So stuff to, you know, obviously in a 400 meters, your legs go at some point and it doesn't feel very nice. So it's just getting used to that threshold. So things like the assault bike, um, I'd be training that because there's no load on your knees, right? But it mm-hmm. does give you that same physiological response where you're like, oh, naughty. So I'd be doing, you know, keeping it in that same time. If you're trying to run a minute for the, uh, 400 meters do intervals it might be minute on minute off or minute on three minutes off so you can really go helpful leather for that minute feel that experience try and recover go again so you're increasing your threshold got um, it okay so i own that machine it's all about yes i have a love-hate relationship with that with that machine and uh, so i'm with you and that is painful that is that is not <laughs> okay so good to know that that could at least you know simulate that level of that level of pain. All right. Yes. I'm going to keep you posted on how that goes. <laughs> I look forward to hearing how it goes. We got plenty of time. Hey, I don't, so th- this is, this is awesome. And I appreciate all your time. And we go down the rabbit hole of like my, my little race thing that's coming up because I could geek out on that all the time. And as soon as you said 400 and 800, I'm like, I got a question for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so thank oh, yeah. you for, for indulging the indulging me on, on the question. Um, you mentioned you had clients, you know, in the U S and everything too, and you work with us and you group individual, everything. Uh, I'm like specifically what type of guy is, is, is reaching out to you? You know, and then you talked about again, the right, you know, the right kind of guy for you. So one, the kinds of guys that are reaching out, I'm curious. And then to the notion of, again, where you feel like you're best of service, your ideal fit for guys. I'd like to hear about both. And then obviously get into, Hey guys, Here's how you reach him. And by the way, he's coming our way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so coming your way. For for me, it's coming from that blue collar background. So I, you know, our family is farmers. Uh, so I've done a trade. Uh, but coming from that background, but realizing you may want more or potentially the environment and the blue collar environment here may be a little bit different. So, but generally the habits aren't really good. There's a lot of drinking, a lot of misogynistic behavior, uh, things like that. And it's like you may be the purple cow in that situation. You may love your trade and love your career, but you want different. So a lot of those blokes, um, that's what a lot of our communities come from. They're business owners uh, in that blue collar field. But then one-to-one, I work with a lot of lawyers, funnily enough, um, who want to kick the drinking and the <clears throat> the uh, recreational drug use to deal with stress and just be better, better fathers. So then how it looks like is if, I feel I relate to their story and I feel like I can genuinely help them with some tools and 
all of that sort of stuff because I feel if they can't emotionally connect to what I've been through or vice versa, I'm not going to be the the best fit. So once again, coming from a bit more of a sporty blue collar background and wanting to, I guess we call it blokey over here, where it's like I want to help them be compassionate, empathetic, caring blokes. I love it. Such, such good stuff. Um, Lockie, where do people find you? Now, how do they get in touch with you? How do they listen to what you're doing? You know, what's the best places? The, I'm most active on Instagram, but you can head to our website, themanthatcanproject.com. Uh, you can see all the stuff on there, but it's got our podcast and everything like that there as well. But yeah, Instagram, I'm I'm super active on as well. That's awesome. Guys, I've got it here. It's it's Lachlan Stewart. I'm going to tag it. We're going to put it in the show notes. We'll put it everywhere. Uh, find him on Instagram as well. Uh, the Man That Can Project. I'll put all that stuff out there. Um, last and final question. Are you familiar with Guzman and Gomez? Yeah, mate, I legitimately had that last night. You did? Okay. Yeah. So... <laughs> Here's the, you might be the only guy I could ask that question with because you're down in, in, in Australia right now. So Stephen Marks, Robert Hazen, Guzman and Gomez, these are two guys from the States that I grew up with, okay, that no started way. Guzman and Gomez. And they're down there. What? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I've been tracking like their success and reconnected with them a little, a little while, while back on it and just following what's gone on with this, un- these two unbelievable guys that I used to go to summer camp with speaking about athletics and sports and unbelievable athletes. Uh, these guys growing up and we were bunk mates at camp that have ended up in Australia mm-hmm. and started Guzman and Gomez. So Mate, it is a phenomenal place as well. Like, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. blown up, man. And I haven't had anybody to mention it to. You're my first guest from Australia uh, out there. And I was reading about, you know, their latest expansion. And I was going to reach out to them. I'm like, wait a minute. I got Lockie coming on the show. I wonder, has this guy, has <laughs> he tried it? It's really everywhere. That's awesome. Uh, mate, it is legitimately quality food. I Dead set had it last night. One of my buddies has it breakfast burrito every day. It's like, it's so good. All right, Stephen, Evan, Robert, all you guys, there it is. It's awesome, Guzman and Gomez. And now I know somebody that is down there that is actually checking it out and doing it. So, so kudos, kudos to you. Maybe we got to bring one to Nashville now. Also, percent. We'll bring it over. Franchise. <laughs> Lockie Stewart, this has been awesome. Midlife Mail Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Guys, if you like what you have heard on the show, please, of course, five-star rating, leave us a good review, share it with all your friends, keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. I'm going to welcome you to the U.S. early. Thank you for being here. I love what you're up to. Um, so, guys, check them out. Give them a follow. Listen to them. Learn from them. This has been awesome. Thank you so much, my man. Thanks so much for having me, Greg. If you're interested in coaching and taking this conversation deeper so that you can achieve your personal and professional goals, be sure to head over to midlifemail.com and check out the Work With Me page to explore options. <laughs>